Hello everyone, welcome back to Legends of Surgery. I'm your host Tyler Rouse. Now last time we covered Dr. Theodore Billroth and his gastric surgeries, the Billroth 1 and 2. I thought that the natural next topic would be to cover the Rouen-Y procedure. I'm not embarrassed to admit that as a medical student I didn't realize that this was named after a person. We'll talk about him, his operation, and briefly cover the area where it is most commonly used now, which is bariatric or weight loss surgery, in this episode of Legends of Surgery. I'll warn you right off the top, this one's going to be a bit technical, but short and sweet. So let's start with a quick refresher. The Billroth 1 and 2 surgeries are used after the lower or distal part of the stomach is removed, typically for a cancer or a peptic ulcer. In the Billroth 1, the remaining stomach and duodenum, or first part of the small bowel, are directly reattached. In the Billroth 2, the remaining part of the stomach is reattached to the side of the second part of the small bowel, called the jejunum, and the cut part of the duodenum is just sewn up. I'll post pictures again on Twitter to show the anatomy. Now these are excellent procedures and are still used to some degree today. However, both can lead to contents of the small bowel moving in the wrong direction, so-called reflux, and going back into the stomach and even esophagus, overall called duodenogastric reflux. Now this can cause unpleasant symptoms in the patient and lead to complications, and furthermore, the patient's anatomy doesn't always allow for these procedures. So this led to the creation of another operation called the Rue-en-Y by the surgeon Caesar Rue. Let's meet the man, then talk about the operation. Dr. Caesar Rue was born on March 23, 1857 in mont Switzerland, one of 11 children. He studied medicine in Bern, Switzerland, graduating in 1880, and then trained under Emile Theodore Koger, the Nobel Prize winning surgeon who we talked about a little bit in podcast 28. In 1887, Dr. Rue began his long tenure as Chief of Surgical Departments at the County Hospital of Lausanne. At the founding of the University of Lausanne in 1890, he became its very first professor of external pathology and gynecology. His practice also covered a lot of things, including surgery of the extremities, head and neck, urology, gynecology, and thoracic surgery, a real jack-of-all-trades. He first did the operation for which he is best known in 1892, and reported on the technique in 1893 in French in the journal Revue de Chirurgie. It was used for relief of gastric outlet obstruction from peptic ulcer disease and palliation for cancer of the lower stomach, meaning to relieve the symptoms but not cure the disease. It's a complicated surgery, and a picture here definitely is worth a thousand words, so Google it or check out the picture I'll post on Twitter, but I'll take an attempt at briefly describing it. So the jejunum, or middle part of the small bowel, is divided or cut in half. The distal end that leads to the lower half of the small bowel and colon is connected to the stomach. That leaves a piece which starts at the beginning of the duodenum, which had been attached to the stomach, all the way down to where the jejunum was cut. At this point, it's not connected to anything. So the top of the duodenum is sewn shut, and the jejunum end is anastomosed or connected to the side of the other part of the jejunum. I know it's a bit hard to follow in words, but basically you have something that looks like the letter Y, hence the name. His paper described an initial series of 29 procedures done between 1888 and 1893 to relieve gastric outlet obstruction, where food and liquids aren't able to get past the stomach. He was unenthusiastic in the paper, not surprising given the 50% mortality rate of the patients, meaning half of them died. Imagine getting that past a research ethics board today. He later in 1897 reported on his experience with 50 patients, bringing that down to 30%, and by the time he'd done 116 cases, he had the mortality rate down even further to 
Not great, but better than 50. Dr. Rue followed his patients long-term, and in the ones that survived, typically ones that had benign disease, he noticed that they developed ulcers at the anastomosis, or connection, between the stomach and the jejunum. Remember, that's the middle part of the small bowel. In fact, this was so common that he abandoned the Y anastomosis in 1911, and it was lost to history, not even appearing in surgical textbooks, at least for the time being. So let's go back to Dr. Rue. In 1900, he visited Dr. Harvey Cushing's clinic in the United States. Cushing, a famous surgeon who we'll get to soon, said, quote, Rue is a t- rough diamond, an interesting man, looks like Kipling, does excellent work, and comes nearer to being the kind of man I'm looking for than anyone else I've seen, end quote. Now, Cushing also said, quote, he, meaning Rue, is perhaps best known for his goiter and gastroenterostomy procedure, both of which are good. It's marvelous to see him enucleate a goiter, no anesthesia whatsoever, not even morphia, in from 8 to 12 minutes for the entire operation, end quote. A bit complicated, but pretty flattering words. Dr. Rue became well-recognized throughout Europe as an accomplished surgical innovator and educator, with special interest in arthritis, osteomyelitis, which is an infection of the bone, pulmonary tuberculosis, prostatectomy, and goiter surgery. That's in the thyroid. He also performed the first recorded adrenalectomy for removal of pheochromocytoma in 1926, beating Charles Mayo, one of the founders of the Mayo Clinic, by seven months. So an adrenalectomy is a surgical removal of the adrenal gland, which sits atop the kidney, and a pheochromocytoma is a type of tumor that can arise there and can produce too much epinephrine, also known as adrenaline, which leads to things like a racing heart, sweating, headaches, and dangerously high blood pressure. Anyway, Dr. Caesar Rue retired in that same year, 1926, and died on December 21st of 1934 in Lausanne, Switzerland, at the age of 77. So I thought we'd move on to one of the current uses of the Rue and Y procedure, and that is bariatric or weight loss surgery. Now first, as regular listeners know, I like to find out the origin of words, and I've never stopped to think about the word bariatric before, but now I know that it comes from the Greek word baros, meaning weight, and iatric pertaining to treatment. Now, those in medicine may know the word iatrogenic, typically referring to a problem or illness uh, caused by treatments, which makes sense. Another connection to that root word baros is uh, barometer, which measures atmospheric pressure or weight, or for more medical connection, hyperbaric chambers. These are pressure chambers that can raise the atmospheric pressure to treat divers for decompression illness, or so-called the bends, so named because of the joint pain felt when bubbles of nitrogen gas form in the blood and tissues. Anyways, the term bariatrics first came into the English language around 1965, and the idea of using surgery for weight loss came from the observation that patients that underwent surgery that removed part of the small bowel, for whatever reason, tended to lose weight. The types of operations for surgical weight loss can be divided into restrictive and malabsorptive procedures, or some combination of the two. So the restrictive types decrease how much food the patient can eat, making them feel full early and thereby reducing the number of calories that go in. Now malabsorptive types reduce the absorption of calories, typically by bypassing part of the small bowel, which absorbs nutrients. Now the first attempt to operate solely for weight loss is credited to Dr. Victor Henriksson of Sweden, who in 1952 published a case report in which he resected 105 centimeters, or around 41 inches, of small bowel in a 32-year-old woman. Unfortunately, it was unsuccessful because after 14 months, she had actually gained two kilograms. 
On April 9, 1954, Dr. Arnold Kremen and colleagues at the University of Minnesota performed what's known as a jejunoileal bypass. Now, this operation basically simply bypasses, but doesn't remove, all but about 30 to 45 centimeters, or 12 to 18 inches, of small bowel. This procedure was popular from the 1950s to around the 1970s, but was abandoned because patients suffered all sorts of problems from excessive malabsorption, such as night blindness from vitamin A deficiency, osteoporosis or weakening of the bones from calcium and vitamin D deficiency, kidney stones, diarrhea, and serious liver damage, among other things. So by the mid-1970s, Dr. Nicola Scopinaro of Genoa, Italy, developed the biliopancreatic diversion, or BPD, procedure, which was a Roux-en-Y version of the jejunoileal bypass. So the Roux-en-Y component diverts bile from the stomach and esophagus. And this also meant that the procedure had both a restrictive component, because it removed part of the stomach, and a malabsorptive component by bypassing a portion of the small bowel. In 1998, Scoparino reported his long-term outcomes over 21 years, showing significant and sustained weight loss quoted as 72% of excess body weight loss maintained, as well as a 98% cure of diabetes at 10 years. So those are focusing more on the malabsorptive side. Let's go back in time a little bit and go back to the 1960s where Dr. Edward Mason of the University of Iowa, in search of a solution to the bad side effects of the jejunoileal bypass, developed the gastric bypass. Now, noting that patients that underwent the Bill Roth II procedure for peptic ulcer disease tended to lose weight, he and Dr. Ito performed the first gastric bypass on May 10, 1966, on a 50-year-old woman. The basic idea was to reduce the size of the stomach as a restrictive procedure, and it was successful. After nine months, the patient had lost 27 kilograms. However, as they did more of these, it was noted that patients would develop severe bile reflux. Remember, that's when the uh, small bowel digestive juices go back the wrong way up into the stomach. So in 1977, Dr. Ward Griffin introduced the Roux-en-Y as part of the gastric bypass procedure to both stop the reflux of bile into the stomach pouch and to introduce a malabsorptive component, making this a mixed-type procedure. And this is basically the operation that we're going to refer to uh, as the Roux-en-Y gastric bypass used today. Now, of course, there are numerous modifications to these procedures by many surgeons and many other types of procedures, such as those that alter the stomach's anatomy to reduce caloric intake and to bring on early fullness called gastroplasty, as well as things like gastric banding, which uses surgical materials to change the shape of the stomach, and many other permutations. But one of the most significant developments in bariatric surgery has been the introduction of laparoscopic or minimally invasive surgery, which greatly reduces complications. Now, the first simplest procedures occurred in the early 1990s, but the first laparoscopic Roux-en-Y gastric bypass procedure was done in October of 1993 by doctors Whitgrove and Clark, and is now one of the most commonly performed procedures for weight loss. Finally, it should be noted that the Roux-en-Y procedure is used in a number of operations, not just weight loss, which are collectively known as Roux procedures. This includes reconstruction after stomach cancer surgery, and obviously the kinks were worked out, so to speak, as we now know how to medically manage ulcers, uh, issues with bile duct obstruction and with the pancreas, anywhere from benign lesions to cancers to trauma to transplants. So the procedure invented by a Swiss surgeon in the late 1800s for peptic ulcer disease and stomach cancer is now part of one of the most common bariatric surgeries performed in the 21st century 
the laparoscopic Ruanwai gastric bypass. Pretty amazing how surgery will take something from one area and repurpose it for something completely different. So that wraps up another episode of Legends of Surgery. I hope you enjoyed it. Next time we'll have a little change of pace and cover the fascinating and surprisingly ancient history of rhinoplasty, a.k.a. nose jobs. Now please rate the podcast on iTunes and leave a comment there, or follow me on Twitter at Surgery Legends. Like us on Facebook at Legends of Surgery, or send an email to legendsofsurgery at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, but your thoughts on the podcast, or ideas for future episodes. And as always, thanks for listening.